chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read. Uh, can everybody hear me okay? Do I need to like scream or anything? No? I'm okay? Okay. Everybody's okay. All right. Great. <laughs> Always has to be one. <laughs> That's usually me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, that is, of course, Jesus the Messiah, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in the heavens." Don't think that I, that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. While you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
See, if your, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her, give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven for it's God's throne nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you can't make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and let your no and your no no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what what reward have you? Do, Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray... You should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, if, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and, and wash your face so that you don't appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. You don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give what's holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, 
lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Oh, beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a, uh, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits, or by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the beginning part of chapter 5 here. And and, um, very quickly, we'll be quick this morning. Father, I'm so thankful that you are so patient with us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this teaching that we can know. um, It seems what the ethic of your kingdom is, Lord. That's one thing to read it, to hear it. It's an entirely different thing 
to find ourselves changed inside that we begin to obey. So, Father, would you do that in us? Would you speak to us this morning through your word? Lord, send your spirit that you would be as a surgeon with a scalpel removing the things from us that are destroying us and those around us. And and would you, Lord, would you make us holy even as you are holy? Please do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, the Sermon on the Mount, right? (laughs) Right? Five, six, and seven. That's a lot, right? There's so much in there. But in a lot of ways, uh, one of the things that I I hope maybe you're seeing a little bit of, Jesus referenced it a couple of times in here, is something that he'd be asked later um, by the uh, religious leaders in Israel, one in particular, who said to him, what's the greatest commandment, right? And so he goes back to uh, Deuteronomy 6 and to, I think it's Leviticus 19, is uh, where love your neighbor as yourself is. But uh, Deuteronomy 6 Right, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, your soul. You know, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And he referenced that same idea here when he said what we call the golden rule. Right, we got to that part what we often refer to as the golden rule. Uh, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He said in the beginning part here. We won't get get into it a whole lot today, but I think it's important to establish that. He said very clearly, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, right? But to fulfill, right? To be the fulfillment, right? Now, uh, let's look back at verse 1 of Matthew 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying... Uh, Now, there are some that have suggested in the past that this was directed only to the disciples, who came nearer to him. The trouble I have with that idea is that when you get to the end of the sermon, it actually says in, in verse chapter 7, right here at the end, it says, uh, so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. And the word, the Greek word for people there is the same word that's used for multitudes, for crowds of people uh, that Matthew uses several other times, including at the end of chapter 4, when it basically says, this is the height of Jesus' popularity, right, in Israel. Uh, he, he's going to become very popular, it seems. Uh, Matthew mentions um, people from, it says his fame went, and this is the end of chapter 4, his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25 says this, Great multitudes followed Jesus. This is the beginning of his public ministry. Uh, from Galilee, the northern part of Israel, from the Decapolis, the Ten Cities area up there, and uh, Jerusalem, of course, further south, uh, and Judea, that southern area of Israel, and then beyond the Jordan River. So on the other side of the Jordan River, right? So this is essentially saying lots of people from around Israel, right, um, are following Jesus and listening to him. And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and his disciples came nearer to him, and then he began to teach. Now, first thing he says, I want to, I struggled with where to start with this. I really, really did. I looked up, um, because the first word here of his sermon is blessed, so I looked up hashtag blessed on Instagram. (laughs) 
Good move, you guys. Good move. Uh, and it really, it, what it did was it proved the point that I really wanted to make. And it's that our perception of what it means to be, uh, to have the blessing of God is oftentimes associated with, with what everyone who doesn't know God thinks of as something good for you, right? If something happens to you that's good, we automatically say that's what it means to be blessed, right? And so, like, we got this new car, or we got this house, or this, these children, or everything's working out good, and so we're, you know, hashtag blessed or whatever, right? That's what we, uh, that's what we do, right? That's how we, that's how we look at life, right? Because the, and there's an unspoken reality there that whenever things aren't going your way, there's an assumption then that you're not blessed, that something's wrong, right? But I think that one of the things Jesus is establishing here at the very beginning of this sermon is that the ethic of the kingdom of heaven is entirely the opposite of the ethic of the world system around us. Remember, John referred to the all that is in the world, he said in 1 John uh, chapter 2, all that is in the world that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's all contrary to God. It's all contrary to Him. Here's the other thing that I began to look at as I started this. Jesus is now sort of beginning his public ministry. He's been baptized, that is, and remember, Matthew seems to be showing Jesus as the king of Israel, right? That's sort of his thrust here, right? As he brings us the lineage of the king there in the very beginning of his uh, book there, the fulfillment of the, um, the messianic prophecies in Isaiah about the birth of the Messiah, referring to him being born, the Messiah being born in Bethlehem and being born of a virgin, those things being fulfilled, and, and he's sort of leading us this direction along. And then John the Baptist comes on and John even says, and I think it's Luke's gospel, John's like, the reason why I came was to basically anoint the Messiah, <laughs> was to prepare the way of the Lord, right? John was, was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, essentially, is kind of is, is what Jesus referred to him as. And he didn't do any miracles. I mean, you look at like Elisha, you look at Elijah, you know, you look at some of these other prophets and the things they did. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel is like so weird. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that Ezekiel does, the stuff, the, the, the signs the Lord does through Ezekiel are, are wild. Okay. <clears throat> but um, John baptizes Jesus. And in he even, because he obviously knows Jesus, their relatives, he, um, he even says to him when he comes to be baptized. He's like, I should be baptized by you. And you're coming to me. And Jesus' response is just, it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness, right? Because every king in Israel had to be anointed by the prophet. At least that's the way the kings began, right? It's the way Saul was. It's the way David was. They were recognized by God. God's spirit was was upon them, right? And this, this anointing happened. So the dove, the Holy Spirit came down on the Messiah in the form of a dove. Because he is the king of Israel. Now I find this incredible parallel here as Jesus begins his public ministry. He picks up in the beginning, he picks up the same message that John had. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Change your mind, that that Greek word metanoia. Some have translated it to turn around, but the literal translation is to change your mind, right? So he, he... picks up this idea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, 
It's near, right? Something at hand means that you can reach it with your hands, right? That's like literally what it means. So the idea here is that it's near, okay? Jesus is presenting himself to Israel in this incredible way. Now, eventually, um, Jesus is going to rebuke the religious leaders. I mentioned this uh, last week. He's going to rebuke the religious leaders and tell them that every sin will be forgiven men. Uh, blasphemy against the Father and against the Son, but not against the Spirit. And then it seems that from that point on, he begins to turn his focus, his direction toward his students, toward his disciples, more so than he had previously. And he begins to warn them about his coming decease. It's like he knows. <laughs> like, you know, certain things have happened and we're headed in a particular direction, right? In fulfillment of the writings, in fulfillment of the, the law and the prophets. Now, Here's what I find interesting, and this is where I want to draw some parallels um, between what I see here and what I see in, in the Torah, in the law, okay, in the, um, the writings of Moses. Moses told Israel, um, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy is where we find this um, story, and it's in a, referenced once early on, and then later on there are specific uh, things mentioned in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, which... Um, Actually, I, want to, I do want to read those to you. Um, when Israel crossed into the promised land, after they crossed the Jordan River, into the land official, right? Because you had two and a half tribes that settled on the other side of the, the Jordan. But when, when they crossed uh, the Jordan River, they were to write the law. And remember, Deuteronomy is kind of like this speech that Moses gives before he dies because Moses isn't allowed to go into the promised land, right? So he's reminding this younger generation of the law. Uh, it's the second law, if you would. I mean, it's not uh, different than the first, but the first was given to that older generation who died out in the wilderness. Now this younger generation is raised up. They're about to cross into the promised land. Moses is about to pass off the scene. He's not allowed to go in. The only people from that older generation who are going in are Joshua and Caleb. And uh, he says to them, Write the law, whitewash some stones, and write the law on these stones and set them up on Mount Gerizim. Okay, when you cross into the land. And then put a certain number of tribes, half of Israel essentially, on uh, one mountain, Mount Ebal, and the other half on Mount Gerizim. And then one half will pronounce blessings, and one half will pronounce cursings. Okay? So that's the thing that Moses commanded them to do. And they're going to do that. Okay? Uh, they ended up doing that. After they crossed the Jordan River, they ended up doing this very thing. But I want to read it to you. I want to read to you from uh, Deuteronomy 27 and 28 because I want you to hear. There's so many things, and I'm like, Ugh. I'm fighting in my brain how to uh, <laughs> how to talk about all of them without taking all day for you guys. But uh, so Deuteronomy 27:28, right in here, says this. Um. Uh, you know, I'm going to just read from the beginning of chapter 27. Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, command, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. Yikes. <laughs> right? And of course, Paul brings that up later as the problem with the law, if we could even say that. Keep all the commandments. Right? 
Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you've crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. Therefore, it shall be when you cross... Excuse me. Therefore... It shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today. Sorry, they are on Mount Ebal rather than Mount Gerizim. I apologize. Which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall not. Uh, you shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings, and you shall eat there, and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites. Uh, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, Then or these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. So they put these whitewashed stones over on Mount Ebal, and they have the law written on them. And then on uh, Mount Gerizim, this is what they're to do on Mount Gerizim, sort of this neighboring mountain. When you've crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image. An abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road. That doesn't sound like Jesus ever said anything like that, is it? Right? He referred to the Pharisees and said they were like the blind leading the blind. They both fall into a ditch. Right? Um, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he's uncovered his father's bed. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now verse 28 says, It shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully, please hear this, all his commandments, which I command you today. That the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. Well, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
Didn't we just read something that began with blessed? Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give, to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain in your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. And then... He continues with another warning about cursings. It shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall your, uh, be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. And then he continues on with some similar information there. So here's where I found this very interesting. So Jesus comes on the scene. He's in this very popular Essentially, in Matthew's gospel right now, is very popular. Lots of people now are paying attention to, to this rabbi, Jesus. And he goes up on this mountain, he begins this sermon, and he begins it with blessed. I can't help but think that these Jews maybe were a little familiar with this concept of somebody being on a mountain proclaiming blessing, Right? I mean, Moses commanded them to do that in Deuteronomy. They followed it through in the book of Joshua, okay? This very, something very, very similar. I can't help but see this incredible similarity here. In his message to Israel, repent. The kingdom of the heavens is at hand. This is great news. You see later on in the book of Deuteronomy, um, or in another place, I ought to say, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says that God's going to send another prophet like him, like Moses. And he says, him you will hear. <laughs> and if not, then essentially trouble, right? Of course, what did Jesus say at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? The person who hears my sayings and does them, he's, he's like the man who built his house on the solid foundation on the rock. 
So when trouble comes, it stands. But the person who hears my sayings and doesn't do them is like a person who builds his house on the sand. There's no, it's not a solid foundation. So when, when uh, whatever comes, whether it's persecution or tribulation or other things, when they come, that house falls and great is its fall. Because we didn't listen to Jesus and obey. The thing about the kingdom of the heavens, though, is that God's kingdom is very different than what we naturally would think. You know, the kingdoms of the world are essentially filled with, um, they're filled with the people that are basically whoever's the strongest. (laughs) If you're the strongest, if you're the most outspoken, if you have the greatest character or the, the you know, most charisma, then, then you're blessed, right? If you have more money, that's the person who's blessed. If everything's going your way, if you don't have any kind of sickness or any issues, any physical issues with your body, that's the person who's blessed. When Jesus stood up in Nazareth and uh, read from the prophet Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news, the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty, to proclaim the, the, the acceptable year of the Lord. You can't help but think of the language of the Jubilee, right? Every 50 years. Essentially, debts canceled. <laughs> all the land goes back to its, you know, its family ownership and all of those things. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. But frequently, our thinking is very worldly about what it means to have the blessing of God. When I read this text, the very beginning here, I, I just want... In the, in the, I don't know, in the simplest way, I, I guess I want us to hear that maybe what Jesus is saying to us is something different than try to be this way. Because I don't think that's what he's really saying here in the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes. I think that, and what I'm learning the more I follow Jesus, is that this is just good news for a real world. <clears throat> Listen to it like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not not blessed are the proud, not blessed are the strong, not blessed are the arrogant who, who take everything for themselves. That's how the world works. Blessed are those who, who have poverty of spirit. I think of concepts of both humility, um, but I also think of just the concept of being brokenhearted, of being downcast, depressed, we might say. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Think of the idea of somebody that we say is spirited, or they're, they're exuberant and they're spirited. And they're, they're boisterous, you know? Think of the opposite of that. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, 
That's not usually something we think, is it? I think of, uh, remember I shared with you guys last week about how we were able to uh, give some money to our friends Isaac and Clea in Uganda. And uh, Isaac <laughs> shared with us how he's going to give the money that we gave him, he's going to give it to one of the guys that he trained at his school of ministry who is um, training five other guys. I shared this with you guys a couple weeks ago, I guess. And, um, yeah, last week, I guess. And... Um, so basically, we were able to fund all of the food that they need for all six of them for all nine months of their school of ministry with the gift that we gave them. Because for six of them, he said it's about $200 a month covers their food uh, for them, which is amazing, right? Um, then we got news early this past week that uh, Isaac's uh, brother, Isaiah, was murdered, um, he, Isaiah was in with his wife. His wife was a medical doctor in Kitali, Kenya. And they're neighboring countries. Uganda is right next to Kenya. Um, Isaac and his family are Israeli citizens. Uh, they were all born in Israel. And um, the Lord has used them mightily in wonderful ways. And Isaiah uh, was there with his wife and, and Isaac's parents, uh, Bev and Greg. And Bev is the one who actually found Isaiah when she got to their house that day. And it was just like crushing. I remember I felt crushed. I, I don't know Isaiah as well as I know um, Isaac, but I've met Isaiah before when he was here in the States. And I just remember feeling just, just out, of, out of breath, you know. And, uh, and if for nothing else, for, for the sake of um, their mom and dad, for, for um, Isaac, for their family. Um, I forget all of their, their uh, siblings' names. or six of them. Kelly remembers all of them. There's like... Isaac and Isaiah and Israel and uh, Ketsia, Te- Ahava and Tehila. That's right. Um, and then a friend of ours who lives there in um, Kenya, uh, a friend of Isaac's, uh, he posted a picture on Facebook uh, at the funeral, and you see the families are all around and the, the bodies there covered with uh, an Israeli flag, you know. And um, couldn't help but think of this. Blessed are those who mourn. That's not usually what we think of. Usually we think if we avoid any kind of trouble or mourning or difficulty or whatever, that's when we're really blessed, right? As if things go well, if things go happy and we don't ever have to cry, that's what it means to be blessed, right? But Jesus is suggesting that his kingdom's a little different. Blessed are those who mourn, and the reason is they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This idea of meekness um, seems to carry with it the idea of, um, of uh, strength that is under control. It's not, not out of control. Not power hungry or crazy or self-demonstrative, you know, uh, showing how great and big and awesome and strong you are. That's not meekness, right? Meekness would be the opposite of that. <laughs> Jesus said, they shall inherit the earth. Interestingly, the word earth is just the word for land, which is funny when we go back to the blessings and cursings in Deuteronomy that refer specifically to the land, right? The, the promised land, <laughs> you know? Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land, the earth. Sometimes we are deceived by a culture that says, be stronger, 
prove yourself. I think Jesus is showing us that his kingdom's different than the kingdoms of the world. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for more beer. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for more whatever. I think of this reality of um, saying, whatever the thing is that we're living for, if we could say about our lives, man, I'm living for this thing or living to do this thing, that is the very thing that you're dying for. And so I have to ask myself, is it worth it, right? Is, it, is this thing that I have to have or that I'm living for, is it really worth giving my life up for? Because every minute that I spend doing something is a minute I can't get back. Is a minute I'm closer to, to eternity, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? He says they'll be filled. They'll be satisfied in him. And so it challenges me to say, Lord, is that what I'm really, is that what's driving me? Is that what I'm after? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Or am I hungering and thirsting for the next thrill or the next job or the next, you know, relationship or the next whatever you know, fill in the blank again blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy I think it, it would do us well to have at least some kind of grasp on what mercy seems to be <clears throat> grace is when somebody gives you a gift right? grace is the idea of a gift something that you don't earn if you do something and then somebody gives you something in exchange for that, it's not a gift, it's just debt, right? You did something for them and then they paid you for it, essentially, you know. Uh, grace is when somebody gives you something freely, something as a gift that you didn't do anything to earn. That's grace. Now, mercy is, uh, deals more with uh, maybe what I would say a negative side of things. Mercy is when you rightly deserve some kind of punishment. You've earned discipline. <laughs> You've earned punishment. And then someone withholds that, right? Or delays it. That's mercy that's been shown to you, okay? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. God's kingdom is very different than ours. Think of all the times when you've been hurt by someone. Maybe, maybe it's been a spouse. Maybe it's been a family member. Maybe it's just been somebody driving like a maniac on the road, right? And your initial immediate response is retribution, right? Is revenge, is payment. I will do this to you if you treat me that way. Well, being merciful means holding that back. Even if it's rightly deserved. That's the point. If they don't rightly deserve it, then you're just controlled by your anger and you're wrong. But if somebody's rightly deserving of some kind of repayment because of what they've done, being merciful means withholding that judgment yourself. And this is something that, that uh, certainly Jesus is going to refer to later on um, when he says, if a person strikes you on your right cheek, turn your left to him also. This is that. Something that Paul would refer to the, the Apostle Paul would refer to when uh, Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. 
but bless people. And Jesus, of course, said this here in the sermon. Bless, do good to those who persecute you and spitefully use you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. As I read through this, I find myself certainly being convicted, saying, Lord, I want to be, Lord, help me to be more merciful. Help me to be, to be, um, to hunger and thirst for righteousness more. Help me to be meek, Lord, not to feel like I have to show my strength to everyone. Help me to mourn well. But at the same time, I can see how, um, how in crowds of people, this, hearing this, if you're, if you're amongst a people who are full of sorrow, who are, who are poor, who are longing for a Messiah, essentially he's saying, you, you are blessed. <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, he says in verse 8, for they shall see God. We have a saying, uh, nice guys finish last. (laughs) And it's based on this concept or this idea that if you're doing the things that are right, uh, you will be easily, you know, not recognized or someone else that is maybe doing the wrong thing, but more loud and boisterous and has a different type of personality. They will be the one recognized or whatever, you know. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now imagine God, I mean, imagine this idea that God became a man and now Jesus says, the God-man says, you will see God. To a people who know that no man can see God and live, right? Even when, when the Lord passed in front of Moses, he essentially had to cover himself, right? He had to cover him, hide him, and then all he could see was his, was his afterglow, is the idea there, you know? It's, it's this remarkable scene, Right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What this does is it gives me encouragement to continue to do the right things, even if nobody else sees me, because one day I know that I will see him. This is, this is, this is a, a help to me. This is a boost to my faith and my desire to be patiently obedient to Jesus in the same direction, even if nobody else knows, even if nobody else goes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. <laughs> Sometimes uh, people who call themselves Christians can be troublemakers more than peacemakers. <laughs> we can do lots of things and say lots of things to cause more trouble than to actually pursue peace with the people around us. It's easy for us to post you know, political statements on Facebook, but it's a whole lot different for us to spend time with and eat with our neighbors and love them, even when they disagree with us. 
you and I ought to be able to safely recognize that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So when we look at our world system and we say, well, that's not right, we should say, well, duh, right? Whose eyes the God of this age has blinded. It's a reference to to Satan and the authority that he has now. But can I love my neighbors? Can I be a peacemaker? And show them that through the gospel, through the great news of Jesus, that Jesus died for sinners, according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the dead, according to the scriptures, Paul says. And he's, he's ready now. He's alive now. This is what the resurrection means, right? That Jesus is not dead still in a grave somewhere. That he's alive now. And he's ready to rescue anyone who will trust him. Anyone who will come to him. Whosoever will, let him come. And all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, he said. He rescues us, not just one day from some punishment far away, but he rescues us now. Now. He gives us his spirit now. That we're able to walk in a way that's different. He gives us new life now. So that we can be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It's, it's cutting to me that this is not how the church as a whole is defined, those who follow Jesus. It just, when people look at the church at large, and, and please don't misunderstand me, right? Saying you're part of the church doesn't actually make you part of Jesus' church, right? <laughs> you, you need to have repented and trusted the gospel, and you trust him, and you're born again, born from above, as Jesus said. But if you really are following Jesus, then I, I, I want for you and I to be able to look at this and to say, Lord, we can recognize that this is what your kingdom is like. Blessed are the peacemakers. Right here at the cusp of, of Jesus' announcement, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Messiah is here. Just like Israel, at the very cusp of their taking of the land, they pronounce the blessing and the cursing on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Hmm. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last couple of lines here. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think of one situation where Jeremiah, who I feel like was maybe one of the most frustrated prophets, uh, he's like, I just didn't want to say anything anymore. And this is certainly a paraphrase, but it's like, I didn't want to say anything anymore, right? And then eventually got to a place where he said, the word of God was in me like fire in my bones and I could not shut up, right? He's like, I wanted to stop, but, but I'm God's prophet, right? So God gives me his word and I, I just have to say it, you know? I love that, uh, <laughs> that um, idea. I also think of uh, Elisha, right? After Elijah is taken up, uh, 
and these uh, youths, these uh, 42 young people, right? They come and they start cursing Elisha. And they're like, go up, you bald head, go up. Now, now, don't misunderstand. This is essentially making fun of Elisha's, um, Elisha is Elijah's protege, right? So it's sort of making fun of Elijah because Elijah went up in a chariot. That's the idea, right? So they come and they're like making fun of the prophets, right? Go up, you bald head, go up like your, like your master did, you know? And so he cursed them. And then this lady bear comes and mauls 42, 42 young people, you know? <laughs> It's an interesting story, for sure. But the reality was the prophets themselves were frequently ignored, mocked, made fun of, eventually rejected and killed. And Jesus, of course, ends up following in that same line, that same suit. Now, should it be weird that if we are disciples of Jesus, if we are following Rabbi Jesus, and of course Jesus says the same thing, is it weird that we would be treated the same way by a world that rejects him? No, it's not weird. It makes perfect sense that we would be treated the same way that our master was treated. But the encouragement is this, and certainly this would become an encouragement to the apostles and to later followers of Jesus through waves of persecution. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Please remember that the text doesn't say, blessed are you when you are weird for the name of Jesus. Okay? Because like sometimes people, Christians, can do really weird stuff, and they get made fun of for it, and then they're like, well, I'm just being persecuted for righteousness sake. Well, no, you're being persecuted because you're acting weird. Like, people don't do what you're doing, right? So that's different. That's a different kind of thing. You're just being weird, okay? But blessed are you, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness he set, Righteousness sake, he says in verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now as the church, you know, as the uh, followers of Jesus, as their lives progressed and, and many of them lost their lives because of their testimony that Jesus had come back from the dead, um, that persecution that certainly they faced from, from um, Jews in the early part of the church and then, and then later on from the Roman Empire itself. Um, and then, of course, out from there in different areas and in different waves. This would be a reminder to them. And, and, and I know that it's kind of far off for us, right? Maybe there's a little bit of distant understanding, maybe, because, like, you and I, most, for the most part, you're probably not under the threat of somebody, like, you know, coming at you and killing you um, just because you say Jesus came back from the dead, right? That Jesus rose from the dead, most likely. That's what many of them, uh, many of them faced, intense persecution under under um, several different political leaders. I know that, you know, we're like, well, we're being persecuted in America. You know, it's like, eh. But what this becomes 
if you're if you are a person who is persecuted and you're depressed and you're sad because like maybe your wife or your kids or somebody else has been murdered for the name of Jesus because you're following him and maybe you have maybe you've been tortured maybe you find yourself weeping a lot and depressed because life's been hard And can I tell you that when you read the words of Jesus here in the beginning of Matthew 5, you're going to see them very differently than maybe you and I do who, you know, are upset because, you know, we don't have X amount of dollars in our bank account or whatever. There's a reality to what he's saying here that is good news for the poor, for the downcast. For the downtrodden. And and I'm afraid that us rich Americans, maybe we just don't get it sometimes. And and I don't know what to do about it. (laughs) Um, Because I am what I am. (laughs) Except to say, Lord, help me. Help me to be different. Help me to look at your kingdom differently and to to my responsibility in your kingdom differently. Interesting, one of the cursings that Israel pronounced was related to their lack of care for the stranger, for the fatherless and the widow and the poor. Um, It's one of the reasons why God God destroyed um, Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I know that we think it's because of sexual sin, but um, the prophets actually said that uh, they were destroyed because they had an abundance and they didn't, they didn't help anybody. Please don't misunderstand me. I am making zero political statements. Zero. Because I don't think Jesus was speaking to the Roman authorities here about how they should be running Rome. Jesus was talking to a crowd of people, individuals, saying, this is what my kingdom is like. The responsibility to care for others is not the government's. It's mine as I follow Jesus. Because on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Do you take care of yourself? Yes, you do. Now take care of the people around you. It's, it's just a normal thing. But it's not normal <laughs> because it's not what comes naturally to us. <laughs> We're self-preserving creatures. And it's late, so... <laughs> so... Um, what I'm saying let me try and wrap this up very quickly may God may the Lord help us to see ourselves differently so that when we read this text we begin to understand it a little differently as the good news that it really is not just, not just another law. It's just not another Ten Commandments. Try and do this, Christians. Right? That wouldn't be helpful. 
if there, again, Paul actually says in the book of Galatians, if there could have been a law that would have given us righteousness, then surely God would have given us that, right? But he gave the law to Israel to increase sin, essentially, so that the glory of the forgiveness of the Messiah would be even greater, right? He, he gave us the law, he gave the law to Israel to magnify sin, that is to, to show how sinful we are, so that when the Messiah comes to rescue, we can just, we can know how sweet and how good he is to an even greater degree. That he would stoop so low to rescue somebody like me. That is incredible. That's great news. And so maybe all I'm saying is, Lord, give me a right understanding of myself. Humble me so that I begin to see you as you are. Maybe that's the thing that I should be praying. I don't know. I hope you guys will pray with me. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the Messiah, Jesus. And I pray that you would fill us with your spirit as we learn to trust you more. Thank you for the grace you've given us. Lord, help us to find ourselves in a position that when we read the beginning of Matthew 5 here, we can actually see it as an encouragement, as not as a challenge for how we ought to be, but instead as a, as a, a peaceful blessing. And I guess that I'm just recognizing how hard that is for us because we're so incredibly arrogant. We're so proud, Lord. We have so much stuff, Father. God, I pray that you would, that you would help us. Please, send your spirit now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.